Hello everyone, welcome back to Exploration Arcanum. In this very special episode, I chat with Mavius Lynn. Lynn is a practicing occultist, Delamite, and ceremonial magician. Lynn is going to speak with us today about her journey into the occult, getting started with ceremonial magic, as well as the central tenet of the lemma, do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. Love is a law, love under will. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it a like and consider subscribing to the channel for more enlightening interviews. Thank you. Lynn, thank you for joining me today. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me on. And what a joy it is. You're so fun to follow online. And I'm excited to talk about things I love today. You, like we were saying before this got started, uh, you're one of my favorite people online. Oh, and thank you. <laughs> it, uh, one of the things that I really appreciate about you is that you are very open with your community and you're, you're not, you're good about answering questions. And even if it's stuff that other people may find annoying to have to keep answering, you're always there for people. And I really appreciate that. Oh, thank um, you so much. So in that spirit, um, can you share with us how you first got interested in ceremonial magic and Thelema? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my story starts off when um, late middle school, early high school. Um, so I grew up in Florida and in that area, there was a really big conservative push to remove certain books from public libraries. And this is including um, school libraries because I was in public school, as well as just the community libraries in the area. So some of the books they removed was really any book that had anything LGBT, including gay characters. So those were gone. And as a queer person myself, um, I was really wanting to read books with queer characters in them because just to try to understand myself and what that meant. And this is really pre good resources on the internet. Um, the internet just wasn't the way it is now. Now. And additionally, I started becoming really interested in science and all of the books that were also pulled were books on evolution and really anything of the more rigorous science side of things. So, you know, that includes paleontology, microbiology, evolution, like all of those books were gone. So um, the only, in my opinion, the only interesting books that were left were books on philosophy. Um, and the other options were like, really, you know, like children's books, which I was a preteen and then teenager. So I didn't want to read, you know, Cl Clifford books uh, every single day of my life. So anyway, I love Clifford, though. <laughs> so I started I started reading uh, philosophy and it was really hard at first. I mean, it's a really steep learning curve. But the books I was able to get access to were things like Camus and Sartre and Heidegger. So those are like more of the existentialist. Um, and then through existentialism, I learned more about nihilism, like through Nietzsche. And um, I started an online blog. So that included LiveJournal and at the time MySpace to really date myself. And through that, I connected with other people with similar academic interests. And um, uh, those people who were, uh, if, of course, a lot of the books I wanted to read and explore were at universities, but I wasn't a university student, and they sure as heck weren't going to give a random high school or a book out of a university library. So I connected with people who were outside of academia with academic interest, which in my case, that was uh, people in the Church of Satan. Now, of course, uh, I, I butted heads with a lot of people in the Church of Satan, especially because of my queer identity, but I had the pleasure and privilege of 
encountering a community of people had intellectual interests that were willing to share resources, recommend books. And uh, it was in that environment I learned of Aleister Crowley and his writings. Um, and at the time I became kind of interested, but I really didn't get a chance to study Crowley more thoroughly until after graduate school. Um, but I really carried that thread with me through college. So some of the highlights of my journey, I, I don't really get a chance to talk a lot about, is um, my journey with the free thought movement. And so that's really a movement to question overarching dogmas of society and sort of uh, free yourself from these societal pressures and question things around you and ultimately make yourself a stronger thinker. Um, and uh, yeah, I was actually the president of my college's free thought society for two years, which is interesting uh, because Crowley had an integral role and part of the free thought movement as well. And um, I guess I'm getting ahead of myself, but there is a book coming out this January, 2024, all about Crowley and the free thought movement called Friendship and Doubt to plug that book. But in general, it was kind of interesting how my own personal life, even if I, even the times I wasn't directly studying Crowley, uh, my interest in philosophy and free thought and social justice, they all really align with Crowley's as well. And so it was just natural that eventually I would pick up that mantle and study his life and his work more directly. And here I am now. <laughs> and everyone, if you're looking for an excellent book about Aleister Crowley, I can't recommend enough. Portarabo by Richard yeah. Um And I'm sure, can you, can you show us the book? Oh yeah, right here. So... So it's it's a thick and it's a big book, but the great thing about this book is, um, first of all, there's a lot of really good biographies of Crowley out there, but this is sort of the definitive book to read. Um, and the reason it is is because it covers so much of his life and work, and it's presented in a way that's unbiased. So like it tells you the facts and then lets you as the reader decide how you feel about them. And this is sort of a deviation from some biographies out there that have an agenda they're trying to sell you. So those biographies basically tell you their viewpoint and try to sell you the, on this idea and then use the facts to back it up, which Crowley was really all over the place in his life and work. So it's just nice to have a book that sort of respects the reader enough to let you come up with your own ideas. Those things are really woven right into each other. I mean, there's a lot of different examples where those where obviously philosophy so readily overlaps and ultimately Thalema is really a philosophy um, and also a religion. But when I always talk to people about what Thalema is, the the really short elevator pitch that I think nails it in a way other descriptions don't is Thalema is weird Buddhism, which that isn't entirely correct, but I love it because it gets people like, oh, OK, that's kind of how you see the world and how some people take it as a religion, some people take it as a philosophy, how some people can be atheist or agnostic or also polytheist and still identify with Thalema. And, um, you know, just for example, and, and this makes sense because Crowley at the time of his reception of the Book of the Law, which really fast for your viewers and listeners, the Book of the Law is the central sacred holy text of Thalema. And um, when it comes to Crowley's reception of it, he was actually a Buddhist at the time. So some of those things, some of those words we see coming through Crowley or from Crowley, however you want to interpret that, um, are sort of a echo in the steps of Buddhism or are a response to Buddhism. So uh, Buddhism is sort of includes this idea of all life is suffering, whereas Thalema is uh, in the Book of the Law embraces 
all existence is pure joy. So weird Buddhism, right? <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's actually a huge part of Aleister Crowley's system of magic that a lot of people don't realize is he was actually one of the first people to bring yoga and those ideas over to the West. Um, and in terms of why did I go from being so bookish to actually practicing and doing, you know, because a lot of people sort of get to the philosophy and the reading and the academic study and they stay there. Whereas me and my journey, and this sort of branches out into, you know, why I started making content. But for me, the, the necessary step to go from learning to doing was really out of necessity for wanting to understand myself more profoundly. Um, and uh, I, I felt like for me personally, and this isn't the case with everyone, but for me, there was just a point in my life where I needed, I was at the step in order to gain more knowledge about myself and the world and spirituality uh, that involved a certain level of action. And I took that action in the form of being a practicing occultist. And how has ceremonial magic and the occult affected your daily life? Like, because we know each other, but for the people, yeah. <laughs> who, the people who don't know you as well as I do, how does your daily practice, how does it factor into your daily, your daily life? Like, what do you do on a daily basis? Yeah. Um, so I guess there's sort of like a two part question is like how things have changed for me and then how, like what it looks like now. Um, so I, I think that like sort of my, well, parts of my life are so beyond average and normal, but in general, I sort of follow the traditional mold of like going to college, wanting a career, you know, hoping to get married and all this sort of family and all of that. And, um, at some point, uh, I, I just, uh, I felt very lost in my life. And I think a lot of people feel that way because there's so much pressure in society to, in the workplace, in social circles, whatever it may be, to present yourself a certain way. And I hid all of that occult stuff about myself. I hid my interest in Crowley. You know, it, I always say my altar was literally in my closet because it was. And, uh, um, and, and whether as a result of that or perhaps just the circumstances, I was feeling very alienated um, from what I wanted to do, who I was. And a lot of this had to do with working uh, for, you know, in, for corporations and in that very big hustle corporate culture. I was just feeling so lost. I was feeling so depressed and so lost. I didn't know what I wanted to do next. I didn't know where I wanted to go. And I, and I was losing gris, grasp of who even I was. I didn't know who I was. And that's when I started rummaging around in my occult tool bag. And I was like, okay, so if I want to know who I am and do what's in alignment with who I am, how about that concept of true will, this guy, Aleister Crowley? So, um, you know, I was never all in at first. I was like, I, I want to like experiment with this. And and the thing is with like magic and especially ceremonial magic, you can't really expect results like immediately. It's more like years of your life you do these practices. And sure enough, over the year of a long working, I got some incredible results, incredible clarity into who I am, my direction in life, and um, the course of my life changed profoundly forever. So I went from being this like 
very quiet, um, stay in line kind of person, you know, with a corporate job to leaving that job, um, going on so many wild adventures and putting myself out there, not only in my personal life, but in the world. So I would say, long story short, from this occult path, specifically Thelema and following my true will, uh, I have given up every part of my life and who I am and who I was has, I wouldn't say changed, but realized a fuller expression. So I, I think that I always tell people, if you're happy with how your life is now, don't start this work because there's a huge possibility uh, everything in your life is going to change. And that was the case with me personally. So, uh, and, you know, the what that means in terms of a practicing occultist over time has changed. I would say like my daily practices now um, are doing, um, on, on, the, on the best of days, I do say will twice for my two main meals of the day. Saying will is what I do before I eat food, which is um, a practice of mindfulness to eating. People compare it to saying grace, but it's a little bit different from that. But yeah, it's the thing I do before I eat to bring that intention and mindfulness to my meal. And then I also do a solar adoration uh, called Libra Rush Valhelios or Libra Rush. Uh, that's practiced at the four stations of the sun. It's a little ritual, which also sort of taps into that solar energy and brings that mindfulness into your day. Uh, and then sort of on the personal level, which people who have been following me for a while kind of wonder what, like, what I'm doing right now. Uh, well, I've been really heavy into the Enochian system at the moment. So that's a John D system of angels called Enochian. And um, I have been scrying the 30 Enochian aethers. Instead of, of art you're doing with that. Yeah. Isn't that yeah, what you're um, doing, the scrying? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so um, on my Patreon, uh, I do share some of my Enochian work with my supporters. If people are interested in seeing some of the um, art that has come from that, the, the, the method I'm using to scry the Aethers isn't really something that's been done before. Um, instead of, you know, typing it or recording it through an audio recorder, which I do as well, but my main method of capturing the visions I'm getting from the Aethers has been painting it. Can we go back to uh, something you mentioned a little uh, bit ago about true will? Because yeah. I, the the core phrase of the lemma is do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law, if love is a law, love, love under will. Um, I've memorized that. So, Yay! Good <laughs> um, job! <laughs> what... But what? How how do you explain true will to someone who may not understand? Because like I have, a, I started learning or engaging with Thelema, uh about two three years ago. Uh, what I because I heard that saying, and it resonated with me as do what you're supposed to do, not mm -hmm. not do what you want, but do what you're meant to do, and. I followed that into my current career because I always had this notion that there was something I was supposed to be doing, but I was fighting it my entire life. So one day, pandemic hit, I had nothing better to do. So I was like, maybe I should listen to that little voice in the back of my head. Yeah, yeah. And now for the last three years, I've been working in the news. So is, is it that? Is it following what you're supposed to be doing? Um, is, is that how you would explain it to someone who's new to this? I think that's 
that's a, I think that's a really valid and great explanation. And I'm so happy to hear that that's given you so many fruits uh, from sort of following your path in life. Uh, that's really that's really cool. Um, the how I always describe true will, because I think this is a concept people really frequently misunderstand and are confused about because they hear I'm supposed to do whatever I want, which is actually couldn't be further from the truth. It's actually telling you the opposite. And it's a phrase that's actually quite restrictive. Um, and what do I mean by that? Because true will, capital T, capital W, true will, is a specific meaning to that phrase. And that's referring to your innermost spark of divinity or your divine path in life, your core who you are and what you're supposed to be doing, which is unique to you and something only you would know. And um, doing your will means you're supposed to be doing that and nothing else. So if there's something that sort of catches your fancy and you're excited about, but isn't your will, you're not supposed to be doing that. You're supposed to be saying no as well. Yes to what you're supposed to be doing and no to everything else. And that's very hard. Um, but I, I think people lose sight of the fact that saying no, the things that aren't your will, the situations that aren't your will, is just as important as saying yes and embracing the thing you are supposed to be doing. How do you think Crowley's teachings have changed over the years? Um, like, how do you think they reflect in the modern modern age with the modern sensibilities? Yeah, um, I think uh, in terms of practical application of like his, you know, the rituals and initiations he's written um, sort of preserved through the AA, which is his teaching order, as well as the OTO, which is the fraternal order um, that Crowley is most often associated with. Um, I think that they do an incredible job of preserving those rituals as Crowley intended. So the and I think that's one of so there's a complexity to my answer. So bear with me <laughs> to our viewers and listeners. So the first one is, is I think these organizations and, and the AA really isn't one organization. I should mention that too. It's more like a giant tree branch, but so I'm speaking in generalities here. And like, obviously something like, well, actually down in Australia. Okay. Well, listen, just please. I'm speaking generally here. Um, in general, there's been a really big concerted effort to realize and be stewards of these beautiful rituals that Crowley wrote. And that's one of the really cool things about going through these initiations, regardless of which one you're going through, um, or these rituals or experiencing the Gnostic Mass, which is the OTO, one of the OTO's um, public rituals they perform. As a member of the public, you can just come to, given certain requirements, you know, asterisks. But um, it's really cool to experience these as Crowley intended. And I really feel like I'm sort of transported back in time to all of the different elements and this, the Victorian symbolism that's included with this very like romantic notion of death and life. And um, it's just uh, really cool how these ideas are so beautifully preserved. Um, and I would say in terms of our broadening in the modern day, our broadening understanding of, for example, LGBT issues, um, I don't think they're at odds with Crowley. I, I think that they are right in line with what he intended. And I think we're fuller realizing that. So like, well, Lynn, what are you talking about? I mean, in terms of our notions of gender, for example, like Crowley himself um, 
had a very uh, people always get uncomfortable with the phrases I use, but in general, he was he was definitely a queer man who at one point even identified as a woman and used the name Alice, right? So people are like, oh, well, he wasn't trans. I mean, who's to say? I mean, that's he's dead. He can't speak for himself. But even his notion of Kabbalah was one of unity of gender. He was, like I said, had lovers of all different genders and was very inclusive in that regard. So I think what's really cool is we are seeing more people explore and embrace not only the diversity of other people, but the diversity within themselves. And um, so I, I think that that's, I don't want to say being more open-minded over time, but it certainly kind of feels that way in our culture that people are at least more aware. And that's reflected in our Thelemic culture as well, because we are a microcosm within the larger society we live in. Well, it's interesting that we we that you brought that up because I was watching there's a, a show on Hulu called Living for the Dead and it's these group of uh they label it themselves as queer and it's they're they're paranormal investigators and in one of the episodes they talked about coming out and mm. how for someone in occult spaces you have to come out twice you have to come out with your oh, yeah. sexuality, but you also have to come out with the fact that you do this stuff. Yeah, have that you, makes sense. Have you experienced anything like that yourself? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, there was a time where I was very extremely private about my practices and beliefs. And I was so, like I said, so silent. I had my altar in the closet and all of that. And, um, you know, when in, in when you live in a predominantly Christian culture and society, like I do in the United States, um, people just make assumptions, right? They don't ask. I mean, of course, I was never like completely hiding. Like if someone asked me, I would just tell them. But uh, people would just assume I'm Christian. And so when I took the step to really live my will and step into that hole in the universe that I was supposed to walk into, I feel... Um, People were shocked. I lost a lot of friends, actually. So doing that, what made you start a YouTube channel? Because you're you're steadily gaining subscribers. People love you. Oh, um, thank you. <laughs> people who I know can't stand other Thelemites say they love maybe oh, a slit. So that's so sweet. <laughs> so why why are why'd you start the channel? What what was the idea? Yeah. Um Sort of like what I just mentioned, I noticed that there was a hole in the universe and I wanted something to exist. And it turns out that that hole was me shaped and I just simply walked into it and then I started making the content I wanted to see. So to further elaborate that, um, I was a newbie and a beginner at one point. I know what that feels like. Uh, and I remember when I was sort of dipping my toes into the Thelemic community in a more meaningful way. I was asking these questions of like, oh, well, what is it actually, how does it actually look to do these rituals as a Thelemite with other Thelemites? Because at that point, I was very much an armchair magician, meaning I was very bookish and kept to myself. So I was looking online what that actually meant. And I wanted the more personal... I don't say personal aspects on display, but I had so many questions and there was no answers and there was really no space for me to go to see how Thelemites lived or performance of these rituals done. And there are some amazing channels on the internet. You know, for example, the Gnostic Mass has been recorded a number of different ways. 
Uh, there's the Rights of Eleusis that have a video made, um, and there's other channels doing demonstrations. But in terms of like the personal qu content I was looking for that is exists in plethora in witchcraft spaces, um, we don't have. Ceremonial magic doesn't have. And I was like, oh my gosh, I want this to exist. And it was just simply like, it was just a matter of saying yes to my will and doing my will and starting this channel to fill that niche of well, I guess it was more than just simply not having it exist, but I also noticed there weren't any people like me having a platform talking about Thelema. And that was something I also wanted to see change. Back to the ceremony of magic for, for a moment. Yeah. So you you want to get started and you don't know what to do first. What what do you suggest a person who's just getting started in ceremony of magic learn first? Because you, you mentioned the uh, uh, Liberesh. And okay. I know the lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram. Mm -hmm. And is there anything else or anything you'd recommend? Yeah, so I'm gonna give um, a pretty radical suggestion, uh, but I really feel this in my heart. So I think one of the biggest problems we ha I see in ceremonial magic is people getting overwhelmed and burning out. So they, so they hit the ground with two feet running, they're off. They're doing the things they're supposed to do. They're memorizing the LBRP. They're doing the middle pillar. They're practicing blah, blah, blah. They're reading all these books and taking notes and journaling and blah, blah. blah. And then they just stop because it's so freaking overwhelming. And these texts, especially when you go back to like Agrippa and stuff, are so dense and so challenging and so exhausting to get through. It's not like picking up like a fun, you know, like look at this. Here, I'll plug a book. This... Llewellyn has a witch series out right now. This is the Taurus Witch. <laughs> a fun book, a fun read. Look at that. Nice and short, written by a modern author. Blast to get through. Let's be real. What do we got up here? See that big blue brick? Here, I'll pull them down. Whoa. This is what they throw at you. Yeah, this is what they throw at you, okay? They're like, oh yeah, get through this. This is your beginning. And okay, cool, right? Cool. It is a good beginning. But it's painful. That was book four by Aleister Crowley, and it includes his work, Magic in Theory and Practice. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Um, so for people interested in ceremonial magic, I don't want to give you a you must do these practices or must read this. What I'm going to tell you, starting out, is ask yourself what you want to get out of magic and what you specifically want to get out of ceremonial magic. I think you need to explore where this is coming from. In my case, after burnout from working for corporate culture, I wanted to know and do my will. That was it. So I naturally landed in this in in Aleister Crowley's work because that's all about what his system is about: is getting in touch with the Holy Guardian Angel and discovering your will, and then having the structure and discipline to do your will once you know it. But maybe that's not you. Maybe you're really interested in the spirit world. Or maybe you're really interested in the, in the Goetia and talking to demons and learning more about yourself through work with demons. Maybe you're really captivated by Enochian system, you know, John Dee's Enochian system and angels and this sort of cryptography around the occult. Maybe you're interested in making talismans to tie yourself to planetary forces. Maybe you're interested in, you know, Kabbalah and the specific like work you have to do and, you know, maybe you're drawn to Israel regarding like, I, I just threw out a bunch of stuff out there. I would say, listen to that. 
hold, hold on to that thread of why you want to be doing this stuff and fill in as you go. If you want to make talismans, pick up a book. Actually, where is that guy? Uh, Modern Magic by Donald Michael Craig. See, this is why y'all should be watching. I'm giving book recommendations. Pick up this bad boy, for example, if you want like more practical stuff. Okay. And start going at it. If you want whatever it is, the Goetia, you know, I, I mean, I don't know. There's so much, there's so many like little paths to get into a ceremony magic, but I would start there. I would start where you want to be and I would learn as you go along. There's going to be things you encounter that you don't understand. And you know what? Pause, look it up, ask someone in your community. Um, there's, I mean, I run a Thelemic study group discord server. That's a fantastic resource in the community. Reach out to, you know, wherever makes sense. There's a lot of other amazing discord servers. There's in-person organizations that can help you learn. I'm just going to rattle off a few. Orido Templi Orientis or OTO, the AA, the Typhonian Order, um, Temple of the Silver Star, College of Thelema. I mean, there's a ton of stuff out there, right? If you need in-person help. And if not, if you're like a solo learner, cool. Just fill in that knowledge as you go. You know, if you get to a point in this book, for example, you're like, oh, I need to I need to learn about something else. Put it down, put a little bookmark in it. Go pull, pull another book and start reading that. That's a great way to learn. And you know what's going to happen is you're going to be learning the stuff you want to at the pace you want to. Fill in an info as you go. And you're not going to burn out because you're going to be doing something cool. And, a lot, and you know where you're going. It's, when, it's the people who don't know where they're going and don't have a point. And because you also get all this cool knowledge and you don't know where to put it in the old mind palace, right? So if you have a mind palace set up where you can put the knowledge where you're going, you'll retain it better too. And that's my advice that I live by. That's amazing. Lynn, thank you so much for <laughs> taking the time to come on the show. I really appreciate oh, yeah. it. You you can't, I don't think I, I can convey how much I've learned from you and how, how oh, much you. your, your knowledge and insights mean to me. So again, thank you so much for coming on and everyone will put links to all of Lynn's projects in the description below. Make sure oh, thank you, you follow on social media. Uh, you're on Twitter and I'm sorry, X and threads. You're on I am. Patreon, Discord, Instagram, anywhere you can turn on the internet. Lynn's probably there. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for having me on. This has been wonderful. And thank you for all of our viewers and listeners today. I appreciate you. Thank you so much.